Welcome to Think and Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a a better better global society. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Thinking Reimagined. I am Nifem Yokuntoye. Let's talk about being yourself in a society that tells you what to do. Over the years, you must have heard, be yourself. It's a popular thing now, but it still comes with lots of fear around it. We know deep down that even though it's encouraged, we'll still be judged. It does appear there are these unspoken rules of society and you are to bow to the rules of the right and wrongs, or you'll be judged. We look to society for approval and permission. We use it as a measurement for our own self-worth. And we'll be talking about that in this episode with Executive Director, Leader Bordentley, Dr. Anna Mesotimino of Parties, Gay Rights Activist, BC Alami. Thank you guys for joining us. Mesotimino, let me begin with you. Help us understand what a thin line is in society setting the rules and standards for living on one hand there would be a society i believe if there are no rules and expectation of a standard practice or lifestyle or way of life but at what point do these become inimical or injurious to the expression of a person's uniqueness and identity well um in response to this i would say that there is a role society has to play in you know, guiding, guiding its uh, citizens, should I say, or members of its community. But there's also uh, no role for society to force down an individual's throat or uh, and, and force their sense of being on another. So I think in a society, in many societies, um, there, there are unwritten rules as well as written rules. Um, written rules being maybe, you know, those that have been become law, for example, and then unwritten laws, unwritten rules, such as how we conduct ourselves in public. And obviously, if we were to write laws on every single thing, uh, there'd be too many. So we know about the unwritten rules in society. Um, I believe in celebrating the individual, actually, celebrating the uniqueness of every single uh, person. I don't believe in boxing, putting people in boxes. I don't believe that um, people should bow down or cow down to pressure to become who and what they they aren't so in my personal experience for example I think the biggest challenge I had was when I chose to um, become a teacher Um, that was frowned upon by many because society and especially in those I was told uh, those who teach are those who can't do anything else that's what I was told Uh, but Abby you can do so many other things why teaching the, the people that go into teaching are people that can't find jobs or aren't very smart. I said, really? So who's going to, I mean, if all the teachers aren't very smart, how come we're getting all these smart students? Somebody must have taught them. The teachers must have been smart. So I, I believe in celebrating the individual and encouraging 
um, everyone to to become their best. And I was lucky because I had very good role models in teaching, very good mentors such as Dr. Ama was a mentor of mine. Um, I, I admired her so much because I knew she had achieved, uh, you know, the height of her education status as a doctor at a very young age, doctor of education. And um, I, I was opportuned to have that. I know many people that don't have role models or mentors in the area of their interest. So today you look back and you have no regrets taking that path. The show to me now. Not at all. I'm very happy to be known as a teacher, an educationist, an education consultant, um, and you know, obviously the founder of Patis that deals with paternity issues as well. So, what precisely were the fears, you know, from the society and the people close to you? Was it about whether or not you were going to earn much and, you know, have enough money for a lifetime? No, it wasn't actually. I think the frown was the, the they frowned upon the fact that teaching was is still to many people a looked down on profession. They feel that teachers aren't very smart, especially in Nigeria, not here, not here in the Western world. You know, in the Western world, children admire their teachers. They, they love their teachers. In most cases, they look up to their teachers and lecturers. It's in Nigeria that the lecturers are frowned. You know, it's, it's not. Um, the fear from the people around me was basically that I was, um, I don't know whether it would be right, dumbing myself down, doing something simple, doing something easy, um, that I could do so much more. I could become a lawyer, actually, or something more, something more admired. You know, in our society, they say, they used to say, I don't know if this is still the case, if you become an engineer, an architect, an accountant, or a lawyer, or a doctor, those are professions. Everything else is not a profession. So anything else, such as becoming an artist, um, a curator, anything else is not a profession. So I'm not sure. I think that was just the general idea that um, I could do something better. If all teachers are dumb, then why do smart people go to school? And why, how, why, why do we trust professionals that come from the school system? A very interesting point of view. But let me bring in Dr. Amma very quickly. I want to hear your opinion about, um, you know, balancing the role of the society in dictating what is the norm or what is acceptable lifestyle for individuals. My opinion is that absolute freedom in itself is self-destructive. But what are the thin lines to look out for, Dr. Anna? As a rule, society will set some guidelines as to how citizens or members of that community will act. You know, it's the reason why you have laws you have enforcement, you have judiciary, um, you have laws uh, or rules of engagement to be more accurate, rules of engagement, how you speak to others, how you interact with others. Those are somewhat governed by the society in which you belong to or you reside in. Um, but at the same time, we have to, um, and we have to permit people to be themselves because what makes a society interesting and engaging is the differences that we all bring to play. And we can't be cookie cutter, excuse me, cookie cutter. You know, we can't all be lawyers. We can't all be doctors. We can't all be engineers. Actually, you need a myriad of professionals 
um, in terms for, of a society being able to thrive and to also grow and develop in itself. Um, I heard the tail end of Ms. Shotominu's um, um, comments and I know that she's being very modest, but she's actually a lawyer by training as well, who then went on to pursue her passion in the fullest, to the fullest extent. And um, it is important for us to have teachers and for us to have activists like Bissy. Um, it's also important for us to recognize that we need the garbage collectors. We need the, 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 the people, the postal workers, all of that makes it possible for a society to function and to emerge. Um, the thing that really um, is are we as members of a society because that curiosity enables us to always learn from each other, but at the, all, at the same time to grow um, within that society. And I, I don't believe that um, the freedom of expression should be questioned at any time because that is our right as human beings to express ourselves um, and you can express yourself within a society without disrupting the society but that freedom to be yourself is very important all right let's let's bring busy alimi in on this so you've had an occasion in life where you had to accept who you are and um, and and stand stand for it against what is considered norm or what is even considered righteous so to speak i love us to look at this beyond you know uniqueness and sexuality let's let's talk about how this has also affected the the expression of for instance people's gifts and talents where do you think the society isn't doing enough to appreciate people's in, uh, uniqueness and just allow them live their lives and live the be the best that they're designed to be? You know, as everyone was speaking, I was having a, a reflection. I don't think that um, the rule, the making of the rule, is the issue. I think it's the why. So why? Why are we making these rules? What what is at the heart of the rules that we are making? And I think uh, that could explain to some extent why we have problems in rule rule making. And it's very much about if rules are, are being made with the with the interest or with the let me put this with a why of certain um, preoccupations, um, then we will have problems. So if rules are made because of religious beliefs, because of political beliefs, because of certain economic beliefs, then that rule is not going to be inclusive in of itself. And that has been the problem of, of people that are rule makers. Because the fundamental question is, how do you make a rule that is inclusive? Because in the making of rules, an inclusive rules means that you are recognizing individual liberty and freedom. And the, the question everyone has asked over again is where and when do we stop? And that is a question that rule makers have not been able to answer. When do we stop and where do we stop? In appreciating individual liberties when it comes to rules, rule makings. And you're very correct because what reductive rulemaking creates is a system 
they are innovates the expression of our potentials and talents um it's very interesting we have this conversation because uh 3 days ago i posted on linkedin um about the reality that uh, as someone who is an executive coach and who has been working with corporates i tend to live double life on social media uh there is a life that i have on instagram um that is completely different from the life that i have on linkedin and the question is who made that rule for for it to be like that who said we have to be very serious and very corporate and very um professional on linkedin that we can't be playful that we can't be innovative that we can't be free that we can't be expressive and who says we have to be playful and expressive on instagram that we can't be professional and going back uh to uh to what Ms. Chotimio said is about all these unspoken rules that we have to endure and it's it's so shocking because after after I posted uh my that post on Instagram the rea- is uh, on LinkedIn it became uh my most reacted post to I think as of now it's crossed over 15,000 people that have actually viewed it and over 400 that have reacted to it and from there i've been receiving personal stories from people who are saying that they they kind of feel trapped in their creativity because they feel like they have to perform in different on 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 different platforms just so that they can fit in and that is what rules will be doing or are doing to people rules that means that you have to be these you have to be these you have to be these at different settings and people have to struggle to be able to navigate those restrictions as as they go along in life one big challenge for me is identifying in reality what is right and what is wrong but i also don't want us to limit this conversation to it because it, it's 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 really wide but there are certain things we've been taught for instance go to school follow the rules get good grades go to uni get a good job get married buy a house have a family and then put all of that together you will be happy but we sort of you know who teaches the children that they can create their own work For instance, we now know that to be wealthy you have to create jobs and not just do the 9 to 5. Nobody creates wealth, you know, you know, literally following these laid down principles. Um how do we begin to raise a new generation of people who have the capacity and the audacity to think outside the box? You know, the fact that um yes, the fact that you can work but it has to be meaningful work that you love the fact that you don't need to go to the university for the mere sake of going to uni but go for the interest of learning that you, you know what you think you want to learn at that time and that will improve your life uh, you know and and that aligns perfectly with what you're designed to be i'm talking about the constant um war between parenting and what we call the society for us and the school systems and then the act of fitting in is that a battle you've had to face raising your children and how are you dealing with it mr otimelo okay um my mindset is quite clear cut um i've you know my mindset is quite clear cut on what i 
uh, hope and pray for and uh, believe in for my children, both my biological children and the children that I teach. I am, as I said initially, I'm all for celebrating the individual child because even within a classroom, there's so many different, um, you know, children and needs and abilities. And a child that is good at maths is not necessarily good at English. A child that is good at art is not necessarily good at singing. There's so many different abilities within the classroom and the classroom represents the world for me. Um, because you have to celebrate individuals and individual abilities. And I, I think if all parents would take this into consideration and not put their children under on, on, on unneeded, undesired, uh, you know, undue pressure um, in order to fit into society, it shouldn't be dinner time talk or something to feel um, that you have to, you know, say to your friends, oh, my, my son is an engineer and the son is miserable and actually wants to be an artist, yeah. you know, and yeah. this is very, very, very typical in Nigeria. And also, you know, the, the the dictate, which is whoever pays the piper calls the tune. So I've paid all your school fees and your university fees and you have to do what I what I want. Uh, would you rather a happy child, a happy, you know, adult, or, uh, you know, doing what they feel that they, are, they want to do, or rather than a miserable person who is just, you know, going to work? And, and this brings me back to culture again, where the culture has been twisted to such an extent, you know, a, a few months ago, weeks ago, we discussed matriarchal societies and how in the olden days, women were being celebrated. Um, the strong women, the Madame Tenumbus, all these, all these women, we never, you know, we, we heard of their strength as individuals, what they achieved. Um, it wasn't about their husband or their other half or any, it was about what they could achieve for their communities. And in the olden days as well, the professions, uh, all the different professions, we had a very rich culture. We still have a very rich culture in Africa and in Nigeria. We have masquerades, artists, musicians, actors, you know, artists like Onobrakweya, um, musicians, Saniade, actors, Ogunde. We know that Africa is rich with all these traditions. So why would we want to stem that or kill that? because we want so many lawyers and doctors and engineers. It doesn't make sense. And then we read, I think it was yesterday that um, the Nigerian government wants all its artifacts back. Where are you going to keep the artifacts? These same masquerades and artists and musicians that you haven't let, um, you haven't encouraged in their professions, who would have kept these artifacts for you? Where are they? Aren't they best kept in Europe? where they are kept safe in their museums, they are appreciated by us. How many museums do we have in Nigeria? You know, this is another discussion, but again, it's the whole thing together. And, I, you know, I want to end by saying, look, contempt and criticism actually erodes the immune system, erodes the society. There's a lot of contempt and criticism by all these written and unwritten laws and rules. Uh, there's yeah. also what the society uh, compensates. And I want to bring in Dr. Ama here. We were having, interestingly, we were having a conversation on a workshop earlier today. And it was about um, the need for journalists to grow the social media presence. And then people raised the issues of, um, well, I have things to say, but because of where I work, I also have to say certain things that is in line with um, the values and, and the intent of my employer. So the guy said, well, why work in a place that is not in alignment with your values? <laughs> And then the question, the reaction is, so who feeds my wife and my children if I leave my job because I'm not um, comfortable with the direction my employer is taking? 
I love you to talk to us very quickly about um, the challenge of exchanging security for freedom, because this is where it all leads to. BC Alimi had to rise, you know, and say, okay, this is who I am. And I'm just going to decide to be free, you know, his own definition of freedom. But it comes with a risk. It comes with the challenge of not being accepted in society. It comes with the challenge of not being rightly compensated, you know, just by your uniqueness and the path that you have chosen to take. I know that at some point you would have made that decision, you know, that, okay, I'm going to start a company. I mean, the risk is higher than staying in the place and teaching and where you know that, oh, at the end of the month, you're going to be paid. How did you make that decision, Dr. Amma? And what are the challenges that are involved? Um, if I may, thank you. And there's so many ways to answer your question, but I will start by saying this. Nobody should ever have to compromise their security. What was the word you used? The security for their freedom. Um, as a human being, you are guaranteed freedoms freedom of expression, freedom to think, freedom to be, and freedom to grow and to thrive. That is guaranteed. It's part of the human rights to be able to express yourself. At the same time, the society should provide you the security to be the person that you are meant to be. We're not perfect. We're imperfect beings in an imperfect world. Having said that, I need to go back to something I mentioned earlier, which is curiosity. We are all born curious. Every living thing is curious. Whether you're a dog, whether you're a cat, whether you're human, you are curious. And one of the things we know about children is as they develop, they're curious about things. You know, peekaboo, what's behind? They start to explore their environment and they start to ask a lot of questions, the why, what, who, what. I mean, children can ask hundreds of questions in one day and parents get exhausted from answering this question. As a matter of fact, parents begin to start rethinking about how they express things to their children. And then they go to school. And in school, we begin to teach children the norms of society and the way to behave within society. And if you're in a cultural setting that clamps down on that, you end up with children who are not able to think. They regurgitate information. They're not self-starters. That is troubling because what you have done is you've begun to confine the thinking of the person. Parents need to take an active role and encourage their children to be curious and from that to identify their passion and to celebrate the passion of their children. Because when you do that, then you encourage participation, you encourage um, engagement, you encourage all of the soft skills that you need to thrive in society. You're not thriving in society because you're a doctor and a lawyer or, or a teacher or an activist. You're thriving because you can engage and that engagement comes from your uniqueness and the fact that you've, you're allowed to be and to express yourself. So I think we need to go back to the drawing board 
and recognize that the laws that govern a society are there to keep order, are there to help transactional and relational um, activity. They're not meant to clamp down on people. They're not meant to restrict how people behave, how they express themselves and what they put forth. What I say has no bearing on the organization I run because I have to express myself as an individual and I can also express myself as part of the organization. So people should not be afraid to be themselves or to express themselves. Um, and people should not be punished to, but for being themselves. So no, I do not believe that you should sacrifice your being, your freedom in order for security. Your security and your being should be guaranteed and it should be encouraged. And it should be what helps the society to thrive and to be. This is Think and Reimagined, a Leave Abundantly production. In association with Nelkan Media. You know, Dr. Ama has talked about what the ideal system should be and what should be considered acceptable or not. Let me bring in Mr. Alimi very quickly because um, um, there's, there's this huge, there's this relationship between, um, I have seen people drop their creative impulses, you know, for the desire to meet needs. So you've watched, we watch our parents do boring jobs just to stay responsible, to put food on the table, to be able to afford education for their children. And you probably in this day and time will be considered irresponsible if you're chasing passion, chasing chasing your gifts and your talent. And then it's not, you know, it's not, um, you don't have the adequate remuneration to meet your needs and remain responsible. I don't know if you've had this challenge before, Mr. Aliming. Can you talk to us about um, how you've been able to stay with what you consider to be your passion and what you truly are, you know, given to doing as against what the society expects that you do part-time to be able to meet your needs? Yeah, that's a very good question. And yes, I have indeed. But I'll, I'll quickly come to that. I just wanted to paint on something that Dr. Arma said, and maybe just a, a bit of a reflection on that, because Dr. Arma was saying that what people say or what people do should not have a reflection on the work that they can perform. And this has been a big topic within the discourse around cancel culture. And the fundamental question that has been is, if someone is a healthcare provider who is white, and who holds a belief that that is racist and harmful? Should that person's words outside of work should be taken into consideration within the workspace? Because we have to then look at, are they bringing that belief into work? And how is that belief translating to the delivery of their work? So I think that there should be a bit of flexibility in how we relate what is said and what views are hold outside of work to how it affects the delivery of, of uh, the expected job that a person is, is to perform. 
And um, and now to to answer your question, I think for me uh, it was a very big struggle to be able to make a living from my passion. And the thing about passion is that it's very consuming in a way that um, even if you're doing something that you're not passionate about and you're making so much money from it, your passion is always there. It, it gives you sleepless nights. It, it, it questions you, it queries you. And to a lot of people, it can be very overwhelming. So many people have walked away from you know, high paying jobs to go in search of their passion so that they can find fulfillment. And in that situation where your passion does not bring, does not pay your bills and all of those things, how do you deal with that? And I think one of the beautiful ways that I've been able to deal with this was through uh, coaching where my coach introduced me to Ikigai, which is a Japanese way of finding balance in life. And that's what I realized that actually I can make money from my passion if I package it very well. And the reason for this has always been the fact that because I work in civil society and there is this guilt tripping that happens to people that work in civil society where they tell you you're doing charity, you're doing good. And in the process of doing good, you're not, ex you're not to expect a compensation for your goodness, which is a very, very toxic thing that people in international development are, are bought into. It's toxic because then they tend to end up in, in, in depression. They tend to question themselves, forgetting that we live in a capitalist world. You're not gonna go to a supermarket and they're gonna say, oh, this shelf is for people that work in international development and you can have your food at reduced rates or you can have it for free. That's not how this world works because you're gonna enter the same transportation with someone who works in the city and earn six-figure salary you're going to shop at the same place you're going to do so how do you then incentivize your passion and there are there are one million and one ways to be able to do that and there's a big market for people that will pay you for your passion it's about knowing why you're unique it's about knowing what you can sell and it's about knowing how much you can get paid for doing that I would like to add something to that, Bissy, and thank you for bringing up the um, council culture and talking about passion, because I, like you, always want to emphasize the importance of passion. Every single one of us has a passion. Those of us who are able to use our passion, whether it's Ms. Shotomenu for, for teaching, or you as an activist, or I in the myriad of things that I try to accomplish, we do it because somewhere, somehow, we've recognized that the sense of fulfillment we get from it outweighs any amount of money that can be handed to us. But we also, as you rightly mentioned from the Japanese Kaigai, we know that our role is to show by example that you can have incredible sense of achievement, fulfillment, happiness, and then you marry that with the sense to earn and you really heighten your sense of being. I really want children to recognize their passion and for parents to support their children's passion. We tend not to do this over here in Nigeria, to be more specific. Um, 
because we believe that there's certain roles or career paths that they should follow and those are the only ones that can bring the money but i want to remind people many of the successful global entrepreneurs that we recognize and we celebrate and we call attention to they follow their passion and we accept them because of the passion that they deliver the mentorship that they provide the role modeling that's available and we want to emulate that in our lives so i believe that it is important for us to be authentic whether we're on social media whether we're working with others whether we're pursuing our passion at all times because if we're only focused on earning then that is not going to give us the long term joy that we need to continue to persevere and perseverance comes from passion perseverance comes from knowing your strengths perseverance comes from recognizing that you can fail and you will grow from failure and we don't do these things when we're working with children or we're working with the larger community and i think we need to have a mind shift and to recognize that it's not just about earning power there's a deeper um quest for us as humans that we need to pursue and in doing that we may step away from what society thinks and apart from that people really should be allowed to be themselves so that they thrive and they have a deep sense of fulfillment and they really focus on the gifts that are given to them i'm really hoping that um, young people will be able to um choose and prioritize this passion recognition that that ama has talked about above the survival instinct because everyone has to make that decision um at strategic you know junctures of life to decide whether you're going for the pay or you stay with your passion guys we have to go now but i want to speak very quickly to um uh, mr tobino about this journey to self discovery you also don't want to have lived 50 years of your life finding out the ladder has been leaning to the wrong wall and growing up personally i found out that there were things i was at the point in time passionate about but i thank god that i didn't choose that path for me there is a point where you are confused as we get what really you should do you know whether or not your gifts or your talents align with your purpose talk to us about your experience with children and how we can help young people identify what their passions are uh, and also really know what they need to do you know with them thank you nitemi um if i go back to briefly to my uh, story i love i've always loved reading and i've always loved children so um becoming a teacher was just a second nature to me and wanting to become a teacher so i knew from a very very early age i knew from the age of 10 11 that i wanted to teach i knew i wanted to be surrounded by children every day and that's what i wanted to do and i knew i wanted to read and therefore being a teacher would be the right thing for me to do on educationist in order to spend as much time as i can with children and reading um i think for children now i think they and young adults they need to realize there's a difference between passion and fame i find a lot of young adults want to be famous 
but they're not passionate. They don't have the passion. They just want to be seen. Maybe it's on Instagram. They want to be famous, but they don't really have a passion for any particular thing. They just want to be famous. Meanwhile, we know that passion develops from infancy. You can tell um, by what your child is interested in, what he or she loves to do, um, what activities they enjoy, um, what they spend a lot of time talking about. And I think um, in our society, I, I hate to use the word that sometimes misery loves company, that there must be all these engineers or architects who really wish they could celebrate, uh, how they could have followed their passion, who they didn't follow their passion for whatever reason. Another thing is that once you've identified what you're passionate about, may it be art uh, or music or tailoring, whatever it is, it requires work. It requires immense, an immense amount of work and determination. Um, you don't get what you don't put in. So you develop your passion. Um, hopefully, as I said, you have mentors and role models that can encourage you. They do not have to be members of your family. And I, I didn't have um, anybody encouraging me in my family, in, you know, nuclear family. Um, if you look at successful role models nowadays, such as maybe Tiger Wood, maybe, maybe not say Tiger Woods now, but when he was at the height of his career for golf, I mean, he started golfing at four. You know, famous actors would say they started acting or, you know, dancers would say they started at five. A lot of children's passions are clear and abilities and gifts are clear. And it's for the parents uh, to understand that it's not so much of a risk if the work goes into it. I don't know if Bissi will um, add to this, that a lot of people think following your passion is, is a risk. It's not a risk if you put the work in. You'll definitely, definitely get what you put in. Yeah, that, that is completely true. And, and I think the, the, the reason for that, uh, which I was trying to speak to the other time, is that we live in a world that has created uh, a fast food approach to like a junk food approach to life. So you're on Instagram, you want to be famous. Um, you want to be an influencer. You want to, you want to get rich quickly, but you're also seeing people who are in your field, who are your age mates, who are, you know, projecting photo, uh, Photoshop reality of their lives. And you are sitting and asking yourself, what am I doing with my lives? Because you don't know that beyond, but behind those pictures and images you're seeing is a life that is equally as yours. So we don't talk more about the value of, you know, what it means to be contented. But the, 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 the issue with that is that we can't do that in isolation. That's the issue that I have, that we can't address it to one person. And that is the, the unfortunate thing about it. Uh, because there will always be people that will pro project their Photoshopped um, experience on social media. And there, are always there will always be people who will judge their own lives based on what they are seeing and will not be able to tap into why they are unique, why they are exceptional and what they are passionate about. And that creates, you know, this, um, 
clouded idea of self and which in that way you move away from what you're passionate about and you move into something else because you just want to be like all of these people you're seeing on social media. Let me ask a question, Busy. So you're saying that the hyper-digital world of social media, which is affecting the way people live, whether you're old or young, you know, people, I, I'm thinking of many individuals now who are always on Instagram literally broadcasting their entire day um that that in itself can cloud another individual who is following them's perception of what is acceptable behavior or what is acceptable um interactions with others and in itself it can skew not just their perception but also how they end up reacting and interacting with others Indeed, indeed. And, and we know from many studies that this is, this has always been the case. You open your phone and you go on Instagram and people don't tell the truth about themselves and what they are going through. And they have a certain level of projection because it is important that I be seen in a particular way because that's the only way that I will be respected. You know, we live in a world where brand don't, where influencing depends on the number that you have. So people will go out of their ways to buy followers on social media. People will do so many things to gain followers on social media. So, and, and, and the more followers you have, the, the more level of contentment you will get. And so when people come on your profile and they say, oh my God, this person has 14,000 followers, 15,000 followers, they automatically call, they will call you a celebrity. They put you on, on a scale of this, mini god and then everybody want to aspire to be like that they want to aspire to have more followers they want to aspire to have more likes because if i have more likes then i can be a, an influencer and if i have if, if i become an influencer i can get to do this i can get to do this the problem with such is that you don't stop you don't stop because for every time you cross the line there is someone else who's ahead of you that you're thinking of overtaking and every time you cross the line, there's always someone who is ahead of you that you're thinking of. And that is why what you said about passion comes in because why am I on Instagram? Why am I posting this? What is it for me, about me? And it doesn't matter if I have 10 followers, I'm posting this because I am posting this. It doesn't matter if I have 1 million followers, I am posting this because I'm posting this. And so taking people on that journey of why am, am I here? And what is it what it is about me that I want to share will help people find a way to connect with their passion. Whether we like it or not, social media is a place where young people find meaning these days. And it's about how we make that same space. We turn it to a tool that will empower them to find their purpose. Well, I think what you have basically boiled it down to is authenticity. We have to be authentic in our expressions, in our interactions, and also teach young people um, to be authentic. And they can do all of that while still being part of a society and a community. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, Dr. Anna. Um, I, I, I just believe... I know that there's a country in the world now where there is a new legislation about the content on social media, that if you're a social media influencer and you're posting content that have been edited, you have to state it 
clearly that um, for instance the figure on the lady on this advert has been edited and if you don't do that you're liable to you know a level of punishment including imprisonment so there's a lot of perceived realities that is um, seen online these days and i'm hoping that um, everyone can see beyond it and be as original uh, as authentic as dr Amma puts it i think my take home today will be be yourself there are no limitations do your thing even if it feels scary be who you really are listen to your gut more often test the waters of the unknown uh, indeed society will always be there with um, resistance but we can practice seeing beyond it when we decide uh, once and for all that these rules are in for us and then we can see freedom being born uh, that way a, a big thank you to everyone um, Dr. Ama Ms. Shotemino Alimi, it's always a great time to have you on this podcast and I'm hoping that we'll soon uh, we'll, we'll have more of you in subsequent episodes thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another exciting one I am Nifemi Oguntoye Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast and welcome your comments, insights and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness and education. Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society.